Hey everyone, this is Chad. I'm the founder and CEO of mission.org and the host of Mission Daily, the number one podcast for accelerated learning. Mission Daily was recently selected as best of 2018 by Apple for a reason. In every single episode, you're going to learn actionable strategies that you can apply to your life to become healthier, wealthier, and wiser. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mission Daily. This is our first happy hour live show hangout and I'm joined by some very special guests, Mission Team members. What's up? Hey everyone, this is Stephanie Postles. I mean, Faison, Chief Content Officer here at the Mission. Dylan Langlois, Head of Growth here. Dylan, is this your first like full-time Friday happy hour session on Mission Daily? Yes, it is, super exciting. How stoked are you? How stoked am I? This All of is, us. I'm excited to have your this is your fourth month out here? Fifth month? Yeah, around uh, five months now, yeah. So you moved out here from Pittsburgh. What was that exodus like across country? It was quite exciting, a big change, and the best thing is is probably the weather and the people. Yeah, the Love weather, it. it's a little, uh, I mean, today, I will say I was wearing a long sleeve shirt. It was uh, a little chilly. Yeah, it was a little chilly, but uh, you know, compared to Pittsburgh winter, it's got to be... That'd be a little nicer. Yeah, Dylan got here just in time for the fires and uh, <laughs> the rain. Loving smoke and then the rainy season. And but yeah, so that's uh, exciting that you're liking it. So we had today the awesome team from Salesforce Essentials here all day, the creative team. And we're recording a bunch of different sort of fun videos. And you can check out our story on Instagram. I had the lucky opportunity to get the reins of Instagram for about seven to eight photos and videos. In which, which will never happen again. Which after. will never see the light of day because <laughs> Stephanie deleted most of them. Uh, now we know why I'm in charge of social and you're in charge of just, you know, send me the pictures and I'll figure out what to do with them. I thought I had funny cat. The one caption I said to walk to remember. I because kept that was, one. That oh, one did you? Cute. Oh, I kept yeah. that one. So, I kept most of your stuff. It was more of the filters that you were experimenting with that just... No, just no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I uh, I like to uh, I like to put my own spin on things. And if people aren't following us on Instagram, we have a lot more fun stuff coming this year. Last year is a little lame, but yeah. now we have some fun stuff coming on on Instagram. Our stories. We're trying to step the story game up. Way more video. Yeah, way more, more video, video. Way more video of guests coming into the studio and the different sort of people that we have coming. Obviously, and the stories will be the behind the scenes stuff that maybe we won't want people seeing but our followers get to see it because it's not the, it doesn't always present things in the best light and it's the oops and things that we don't really publish, but. The ums and ahs. There you go. The ums and ahs though are how things are built and that's the fun part of, yeah, seeing the behind the scenes look because oftentimes what it takes to build something new or what actually goes into creating something is not what you expect and that's what we hope to deliver is, uh, yeah. So what lesson did you learn today from having you know a film crew on site asking us about the business and doing so many videos and photos? What is the one lesson that you're, Chad, I'll start with you, you take away from all the stuff that we did today. And there's still also FYI in the studio with us, taking pictures right now, recording some video. So we have a live audience basically. Yeah, if you hear little sounds in the background, if you can hear the shutter of a, uh, of a camera, it's because the awesome uh, Salesforce Essentials creative team is is lurking in the background. Still with us. All right, Chad, you're up. <laughs> the biggest lesson is choose your clients wisely because your clients will influence you and you will influence them. So in whatever small way. So I say that pretty humbly. We're a very small company comparatively to Salesforce, 
but working with the people and meeting more new people from Salesforce and the freelancers that work with them today has been uh, awesome. It's, it's always exciting, always inspiring. And yeah, I think as any small business or any startup, you have to choose the people you work with very wisely because you're gonna be spending time and they're gonna influence you in a whole bunch of direct and indirect ways. So yeah, choose wisely. Love it, Ian. Yes. Yeah, so I have I have this really well done sketch that I drew on the pack, back of a piece of computer paper of an iceberg, and it's just a gorgeous iceberg. It, by the it's way. a gorgeous. Yeah. We'll, we'll post it on, was a line on Instagram with a or something. We'll add it to this. <laughs> we'll add it to the story. But the past few days and working with the essentials team reminded me of something, which is how much effort comes into that perfect shot. And it's something that speaking of Instagram, like we take advantage of or take for granted all the time, which is all of these beautiful photos and beautiful things that you see on like wildlife of all this stuff and how much thought and effort and energy from the creator standpoint went into those things. I mean, we had the crew here earlier on Monday and we spent, I mean, literally hours trying to figure out what are the right angles in the studio? What are the right shots to make? The quote was that uh, 90% of photography is moving furniture. Like that's the sort of stuff where the iceberg that I'm talking about, where 90% of the stuff that goes into creative work, you don't see. And whether that's a writer sitting in a cabin, you know, for months on end, or, you know, the arguments that you get in with your family of like, why are you writing or anything like that? Like there's so much thought and effort that goes into it. Um, And I think a lot of times we just think of, especially with social media, that it's just you shoot it and you put it out there but the true professionals and the stuff that's going to endure has so much time and effort and thought put into it. Yep, that reminds me of when you're talking about how much time and effort goes into things. So back in the day when Chad and I were writing all these books, there's a picture, actually I'll post it on Instagram, Chad, of you holding up a sign that he literally took an hour out of his day to make a huge poster board and it says writers on strike because he said I was pushing him too hard. So, well, <laughs> so I'll post it on that point, Instagram for everyone. So let's rewind to where we were at at that stage in our... Uh, the company's life and in experimenting with businesses and stuff. So we discovered that I could write a lot, a lot of words. And it was exciting because we figured out not only could I write them really fast, but they were, people didn't mind them. They would read the entire books. And so we're like, okay, this is awesome. I found a similar business model, which is like kind of the James Patterson approach where it's a story studio where he just churns out books with the help of other ghostwriters and people like that. So Steph and I were pretty bullish on this model. We were excited about it. I still am. However, trying to do that with just two people is almost an impossibility when, especially when someone else is still doing a, uh, a full-time job of solving the world's financial and economic challenges. So anyways, writing 5,000 or 7,000 words a day and then editing it is uh, not sustainable to say the least. So I went on a writer's strike uh, because <laughs> Steph was going to work all day and thinking that we'd have this James Patterson studio set up instantly. And I, I on the other hand, was realizing that if I kept trying to force myself to write between 5,000 or 7,000 words each day, it was uh, gonna be like The Shining. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I launched into a writer's strike and um, it worked. And uh, we, we survived and moved on to bigger and better things and made it. That's super funny, I'd never heard that. Yeah, I'll have to put that on our Instagram. Yeah, it, was, right. it, was a great, it was a great challenge though. So how I discovered that too was really interesting because I was only writing nonfiction up until a certain point and we had published, I think, Four nonfiction yeah, books. Yeah, It was it was very promising because we're like, oh wow, with Amazon you can make a couple tweaks and sell a steady amount of books every single day, and it's uh, you know a very powerful tool. However, it wasn't you know producing like sustainable income. I didn't know how large it could scale and everything in the nonfiction realm. In the fiction realm, though, 
there's just so much upside. It's crazy. And so I was talking to my mom one night and she suggested, why don't you just write fiction? You have all these ideas and everything. It'll probably be way easier. I hung up the phone. I think it was like 3 p.m. in the afternoon, maybe 4 p.m. I go inside. I proceed to write 7,000 words just all, all in one, basically one fell swoop. And I, that's how I discovered fiction writing was like really easy. But I had no idea. I was completely oblivious to the fact that I might be very, very skilled at, at writing fiction. And drawing cartoons. I, I'm, not, drew... I'm not actually good at, I'm not actually oh good gosh. at drawing cartoons. Yes, you you keep You keep bringing this up. You are. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Wait, so hold on. I, what, one of the things that I think when you said writing fiction is easy, I want to push back on a little bit. I think writing writing fiction is easy for the types of people who like the stories are in your brain and it is like actually cluttering your mind sure and so it's like almost therapeutic to get them out onto paper like when you see people who talk about like oh i started took up journaling and it helps me so much it's like if your brain is wired like and chad and i kind of have a similar sort of thing where it's like if the if the thoughts don't get out and so like they will get out in some way oh, whether it's like you know screaming them uh or <laughs> or writing them down into different ways that that sort of stuff is actually you you like you you yearn for that and if you don't have that sort of release then it's this kind of like pent up like you don't feel like you're ever getting anything done because like you just have so many things like so many in your head but that's the sort of stuff when you're in grade school that's like not okay, right? Like oh, that's not time. an acceptable thing to because you have, you know, school every day. So those sort of kind of ideas are, are suppressed, especially when you go in the business world. But it's interesting to hear you say that, that it was like finding fiction writing, especially, you know, you didn't go to, actually, I don't know what your major was. What was your major? In college it was economics. Okay, because I was like, you weren't like a creative writing major and you didn't no. you know, like write the school's newspaper or anything like that. I did that. write in the school's newspaper though. Yeah, did you, write, you write in it? Weekly columns. Yeah. yeah. Every, every single, oh, I didn't know that. That's oh yeah, funny. my dad actually, for graduation, he printed out every single column I did. And it was, um, it's, it's funny, you never know who you're reaching. So I did this, totally. I completely took it for not necessarily took it for granted. I, I actually took it really seriously and I did it, but I never checked in on how it was doing because the editorial department at my school hated me. They all, I mean, hate is probably not strong enough of a word to describe what they thought about me with like a lot of these op-eds and things that I was writing, uh, but they would always, always publish them. There was never any pushback because they were good. And what I discovered later was when I stopped and when I graduated, was that the all like the ROTC department and like a lot of the professors that the few pers professors at the university I went to that I respected, they all read and loved my op-eds. And I had no idea the whole time I was writing it. So for anybody out there that's creating something, just remember that you never know who's reading or being influenced or inspired by what, you, what you're doing. So search hard to find out who it is. So Dylan, after hanging out today and seeing what we were uh, trying to stammer over our words and figure out how to say into uh, into microphones and video cameras. What was your big takeaway seeing all this? Well, between us recording in the videos and the video team all working really well together, it just it, it kind of reminds me that that you need to have a really good bond and you need to know what you do really well. And working with a team that everyone is on the same page. Uh, it just makes a huge difference no matter you're doing camera work or you're making podcasts or you're doing something else. I love that. We got to dive back into your story a little bit because I think it's fascinating and you don't have to share everything. But what I do hope you might share with our listeners is when did you learn to code? How old were you? And why did you do it? Well, I started coding when I was 12. 
and it was really just a curiosity. Like, how is this website built and and how does it do the, all these cool things? And just looking into the source code and seeing how things are built and how people interact with those things sparked a curiosity. And when you got started, were there any like milestones or were there any like achievement unlocked type situations where you discovered like, okay, this is for me, this is what I want to do. What was the big thing that kept you going with it? Yeah, I, uh, I, I built a ton of really uh, stupid sites that didn't really do much. And then I built this r- really tiny site for people to post short stories. And when people started posting short stories and I got some emails from writers that were really interested in writing uh, more on the site, it's like kind of realized people are actually wanting to use this site and like what else can I build that people want to use? And yeah. that's actually helpful for people that are on the site or people who want to work with the site. Very cool. So for anybody out there that's listening that wants to learn something, can you provide any type of like tips or lessons learned on teaching yourself? Because I feel like you're a master of picking out something new that you don't know and then learning enough about it to be, you know, implement the solution or delegate it to someone who does. Yeah. What would you say to people listening? It's really uh, dedication, dedication, and you have to have a sense of curiosity. If you don't have a sense of curiosity, you're, you're learning for just the sake of learning. If you have curiosity, you have dedication, and, and you're really moving toward a certain path. That's Very pretty cool. interesting. I mean, because that's a really good point that you, people who are like kind of learning for the sake of learning, like there's more content out in the world than ever before. Like there's whatever that stat is, like the more content is with, was created like today than there had been in the previous, you know, whatever, 10 years or whatever that adage is. But the idea of just like learning for the sake of learning is is fine. It's not like it's a bad thing, but learning with curiosity is like kind of having a thesis or trying to answer a question that is kind of like burned in your mind. And what's so funny is you always come to us with this like grin of when you figured out something that you didn't know was out there in the world, which which is awesome. And I think it's just the hallmark of someone who's great to work with is like, man, I, I can't believe this, but it turns out that blank. And that blank is always something that is like tied to a business objective of ours. It's always tied to some piece of technology that did some hidden thing that you didn't know about, or it's tied to some like little secret that you unlocked that you're like, man, I, does anyone even know about this stuff? How do you find those little secrets or those new technologies? Like what's your way of looking for new things out in the world that you can like test and experiment on? Yeah, it's just, uh, you look for patterns, you know, where's this data flowing? Where's the interest flowing? And you just follow those patterns and you discover these little hidden things along the way when you're going down those patterns. Yeah, I feel like you're, very skilled at identifying opportunities for arbitrage on ad networks and other things like that. Did you find any opportunities like that when you were younger? Or what were some of the first secrets you found online that uh, yeah, inspired you to keep looking for more secrets? Yeah, it's the open source communities, uh, building open source code and places like uh, GitHub, where people are just coding and putting it up, seeing all that source code that you can use yourself and then you just share it back to the community. It, it just opens up a whole nother world of of creators and things that I can do with things that other people are creating. I also feel like Dylan is really good. He's like the king of testing where a lot of people don't feel like they have the power to go and test something. But my favorite things are when Dylan comes to us and he's like, I did this test over the weekend and here's what it shows. I mean, that takes a lot of 
courage and like you said, a desire to learn and have curiosity to do these little tests in anything, your life, business, working on mission stuff. I mean, yeah, that's just something really yeah. fun that I love to see. That's so great because that's what business is and what life is, is basically like a series of bets and you have to start, you have to become basically a world-class gambler, a gambler that doesn't lose. And um, yeah. So. Well, and one of the things that, that one of the, this is a great like final anecdote for, for this is, so Dylan came to us one time and he's like, hey, I found this really cool thing. I was able to to sell some of our books online and uh, it ended up having this uh, like really cool effect. And we're like, oh yeah, like how much, what are we kind of talking about here? And he was like, yeah, we, I ended up losing 10 bucks. And I was like, oh, that's, that's not very bad to like learn a bunch of information. Like how much did you risk? And he's like, well, I put up about, uh, I forget the exact numbers. Like I put up about $6,000 to do that. And we're like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, it was of my own money. So I just figured uh, if, if I could figure out a way to make it back. Like not using company money, not using any of that sort of stuff, just to run an experiment on something that was a business case. Yep. And if you're listening out there and you're wondering like how to, you know, be endearing to to startups and to the companies that you're trying to work for, stuff like that, where like talk about skin in the game of running experiments that if it doesn't work out, you're gonna have to go back and be like, so I lost six thousand dollars of company money, but or my you know, own money. So yeah. let's talk about how to yeah, what should we do about that? Yeah, let's yeah, let's I'm, figure out how to do that. But it's just the mind. tears of joy. Yeah, uh, when yeah, tears of joy when I heard that. Yeah, it's just it's just one of these really cool things that all stars do that you could never ask that question in an interview. You could never try to figure out that about someone else. You just have to be able to execute and get it done. And you have fun and, and have get fun it done. And get it done. All right, that's There's a good a, spot to wrap it up. After one more thing. One so, more thing as usual. Story. And for anybody out there that's listening that's familiar with Berkshire Hathaway, so obviously Warren Buffett, but Warren Buffett's right-hand man, Charlie Munger, who has gained some notoriety recently. Who I took is, a selfie with. Steph did. <laughs> yeah, it was the first, one of the, probably one of the first selfies that Munger's had. with Probably. Uh, maybe, I don't You're know. You're welcome, Charlie. Go on. So Charlie tells a story where one of the first people he hired where he knew it would be a long-term business relationship, where they would be partners and collaborators on business ventures for decades to come, happened when the person that he hired came and repaid him after he got his first paycheck. So the guy gets his first paycheck from Munger and he comes back and repays him for the taxes that Munger had to pay out to the government. And it's, I mean, a small gesture and everything kind of silly, but at the same time, it showed, hey, I respect what you're doing. I understand there are a lot of unseen costs and I'm in it. I've yeah. got skin in the game and everything. That's exactly right. And it's like, you just get it. Like you yeah. just, it's like you understand how the business works. You understand how business works and you understand that this person, if I want to, you know, the, the adage, like you never have a second chance to make a first impression. Well, it's like that type of impression is something that it shows forever that it's like, you're the type of person who just understands how things work. And that's way more important than like nailing your interview. Yep. I agree. Definitely. So for everyone out there, we will see you next time. See ya. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for listening. listening. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org.
Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.